Time and time again, uh, I mean, you can always talk about, you know, sort of technical, you can always talk about like, you know, sort of other aspects like, hey, you need to figure out how you can scalably do something or you need to figure out like what's the return on value or things like that. You know, I believe all those things are to be true. Um, But I do believe that it's one of the most important things to have people that you truly can actually, you know, really work together and cooperate with in a way that uh, actually can be better than the sum of your parts, right? Mm. I know that's a cliched phrase, but really people, the folks that you work with are some of the most important considerations that you make. Um, I've seen so many times where, you know, founders, it's crazy too, like founders that I know who they founded the company together and, you know, they had disagreements about, you know, sort of how the the equity would be broken up because they didn't have an agreement when they started. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we have a, another great guest on the po- our podcast, Mike Liu. And uh, Mike, er, since high school, always knew we wanted to do his own uh, business and uh, felt like it would uh, it always uh, be uh, have plenty of time in the future to, to go towards that goal. Uh, during college, thought or er, uh, thought about or er, why he what or er, wasn't doing a startup yet, but uh, ended up uh, studying um, material science and engineering in college and graduate school. Uh, wrapped up a PhD, started to look at the ideas to uh, for the path for a startup. COVID hit, uh, start, er, and so we started on er, working on a startup um, focused on video content for learning. Um, has launched his business, and he'll uh, share a little bit more about that. So, with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Mike. Thanks, Devin. I really appreciate being able to be here. Um, just a hello to all the folks at home, uh, taking a listen, of course, and. Uh, you know, I really appreciate that uh, that nice preamble about, you know, sort of myself and my journey. Um, you know, it's been a fantastic opportunity to just see what works and what doesn't. Um, you know, it's been just uh, a lot of learning, I would say, um, like anything in life. And, uh, you know, it's just been really special to be able to build something that you feel like people can get a lot of value of and can or get a value out of and can enjoy. Awesome. Um, now, before we get too much into the present day, is, is the, sure. the podcast is about the journey. So let's rewind and start at the beginning um, rather totally. than at the end. Um, so maybe to, to rewind, so you'd, uh, you know, it sounds like your journey started uh, in high school, um, kind of always knowing that you wanted to, to do a startup or to do your own business. So tell us a little bit about how the journey got started. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, funny story. It's uh, you know, you know when you feel like there are inklings of things that you want to do even as a kid, right? But you don't really know how to express that. Like some people are like, "Hey, I want to be an astronaut," and like, or I want to be like a an athlete and stuff. And, you know, there was something about even when I was a kid, like wanting to just build something that that really mattered. You know, and I feel like it was one of those things that you know you have a call for, uh, even when you're at a very young age. Of course, I didn't know startups, right? Like you, you, there's no idea of what that was. I, I was a kid before the, the dot-com boom, right? And so uh, obviously, you know, when things like pets.com and like all of these other like new internet companies popped up, you know, it was, it was kind of just like a wild west sort of time, right? 
So moving on to, you know, as I got older and understanding sort of what was being made out there, of course, one of the, you know, initial success stories you hear about was like MySpace, right? Like this tool that everybody could use that connected people. There's like these, you know, walls and like, you know, top eight friends and things like that. So I'm probably dating myself slightly in regards to that. But, um, you know, it was it was always just so fascinating to me to be able to build things that just so many people could appreciate that so many people could use all at the same time that you have this one shared collective experience. And to me, I always just kind of was tinkering in my head with what 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 are the things that really provide, you know, people value? Right. And then, of course, obviously, Facebook comes along and I was in high school and just kind of, you know, sort of took over the mantle of what uh, MySpace was doing. But the, you know, kind of the seed was planted there. Right. Like, how can I best create something that I feel like could actually impact other people's lives? And from there, it really just stuck with me. Right. It was just a, a place where I wanted to figure out how can I do something that would, you know, mean something to other people? What could I do? And it was never, you know, sort of starting off with, hey, I need to like achieve massive scale, but it was just to start off small, start off with something that even in just the smallest little kernel could actually go and maybe flourish into something great, but just getting that detail <clears throat> correct. So that <clears throat> stuck with me for a, a while. I was, uh, you know, going to college, uh, learning engineering, trying to figure out what could possibly be, uh, you know, an interesting idea. Engineering felt like, well, hey, I can build things. I can build things that are actually going to, you know, actually have some outsized impact for people. But there was never really that one-to-one, I can see a through-way path to where I can actually apply these skills directly and have that impact on what people are doing. You know, it was a lot of experiments. There were things that were contributing to maybe <clears throat> a larger principle that could go out and actually help people. But I just, it didn't feel right. You know, it didn't feel like I was immediately getting the opportunity to actually have something that was in people's hands. And even just like a wider, you know, uh, a wider spread of people that I could interact with and just learn from and understand and iterate uh, on different ideas with. So that stuck with me even as I, you know, kind of popped out of undergrad, worked for a little bit. It was always just kind of in the back of my mind, but, um, now, you know, something. And question. Maybe, so you popped out yeah. of undergrad. So you got the uh, undergraduate degree, graduated. Now, what what did you, uh, I guess you hit on it. Was it engineering? Was that the under, undergraduate degree? Correct. Yeah. So that was all material science engineering. Um, and, uh, you know, during that time, uh, I felt like, you know, I was uh, just fresh out of college. You know, you want to go ahead and get a job. Everyone kind of tells you like, hey, you know, go out into the working world, see what it's like, you know, feel kind of like how that experience is. So I did for a couple of years. And, you know, then I realized, well, why don't I try and learn some more and now, what uh, this you know, real quick myself. question just to, to or sure. to jump in so when you before you went back and because i think you're headed towards going to, to graduate school but what mm -hmm. did you do for those couple of years because you said you kind of always had that entrepreneur desire that you know that bent so to speak but mm -hmm. what was that you know what was that initial entrance into the working world yeah um totally so you know i worked initially as a sales engineer um you know applying the material science skills to tell you hey uh 
you know, you can actually go and, uh, you know, purchase materials from us. Um, and a lot of actually what this was kind of like my first foray into actually making business deals, which was why I was so excited about it. Cause you know, when, when we were actually sourcing some of the materials, you know, some of those I'd have to source from partners. So I'd have to actually go and coordinate a whole bunch of people to, uh, be able to fulfill an order request or fulfill a, you know, sort of client request about um, whatever it is that they were wanting from our catalog of products, right? And we would have, of course, you know, uh, initial precursor products and things like that. So using that knowledge and getting really creative, that was really sort of stoking the fire of how can I figure out, you know, problem solving wise, how to, you know, meet the request of what someone has for us, while at the same time, you know, coordinating it in a timely manner so that they can get their, uh, you know, sort of uh, end goods in a quick enough amount of time that they could get their projects done. So there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of creativity and a lot of, you know, sort of logistical planning to actually put all these things together. And I found that I really enjoyed that aspect of it, figuring out, okay, here is their actual like asking price. Here's like what we have in terms of prospective partners to be able to deliver that particular element. How do I piece together all these pieces? And it's funny, I liked that way more than I liked the actual science of it, right? Um, which was already kind of an indication of where I would be going. Um, so that was kind of like one job that I did initially. And then I moved into uh, being a lab manager for a while. Um, you know, it was more of like a cup of coffee before I went to grad school, basically. But, um, you know, after I finished up and wrapped up that sales role and started preparing for the the GRE, worked as a lab manager for a little while. And uh, basically during that time, um, I also learned to kind of notice how important it is to uh, actually deal with uh, folks who are working under you. Because I was in a management position at one point, and I realized, um, you know, sort of how you how some of these people felt like they weren't being heard as well. So kind of in more of like the human resources aspect, I was actually feeling uh, like, you know, some of these people weren't. Uh, you know, feeling is heard. They weren't feeling like their their opinions mattered. And it was a consistent thing across like multiple people. Um, and I was managing folks that were, you know, uh, older than me as well. So it was a very interesting kind of dynamic. But it also lent me, you know, kind of some of those experiences uh, lent me some, you know, great insights on how I actually work today and, you know, managing the company myself. So, those forays into the working world kind of gave me an idea of, okay, so science is interesting, but really I have the excitement and passion for getting these deals done. That's exciting. And then I wanted to also learn how to create a culture that could really work really well in the future. So all of those, you know, kind of mixed together with the still, you know, aspect of trying to start my own company. And I think now, that one of the hardest and you, and you mentioned, but you know, before you or went dived into the starting your own company, you went back to grad school for a period of time. So now what you know, what made you decide to go back to grad school as opposed to starting your own company, as opposed to staying in the working world? Kind of how did you make that decision or or decide to make, take that next step? Sure. So um, you know, I think that at the time I realized uh and you know, maybe this sounds a little you know, silly, but uh, I honestly got to a point in that lab manager position where I really was actually finding work to do rather than actually, you know, it, it just wasn't challenging, right? Like it, it didn't have a challenge. It didn't have 
that sort of feeling of I'm actually contributing to something, you know, larger, you know, or having that feeling of uh, a true sort of mission in what I feel like I was capable of doing. Um, and so I was really passing the days, like actually <laughs> trying to find like ways for me to improve the work around me or the work, like the actual workplace around me. And, you know, at a certain point, I kind of came to came to the thought process of, OK, I mean, I think we I think it's very clear here. It's probably time for me to move on and, and actually go, you know, go do something else. And I felt like the best way to advance myself was to actually go and you know get a get a graduate degree it made a lot of sense um you know really wanted to buckle down and obviously take my material science engineering skills to a whole another place um and i felt like you know from my previous position as a as a sales engineer i just kind of thought to myself well if i really enjoyed that you know then having more information and knowledge is really going to help me even do roles like that better, or perhaps I could, you know, eventually graduate into, you know, uh, some more management positions and then move forward in a company. Um, but, you know, even that still didn't feel as correct as like wanting to start my own company. But of course, you know, when you, you know, when you're somebody who's kind of uh, sort of gone through being be working in a place and then, you know, thinking to yourself, Hey, how am I going to, you know, start from thing from start something from scratch. You don't normally think to yourself, uh, Oh, Hey, I have all the resources here, especially if you're not really educated on the subject. I hadn't started looking up startups. I didn't realize how easy it was to make like a Squarespace or like a Wix site. Um, and for me, I felt like, I needed to at least build some, you know, sort of capital and savings to actually be able to jump into that foray down the road. So it just made a lot of sense to actually just improve my station in life with actually building out my own knowledge. So, you know, I, I took the plunge, went into grad school. And uh, so I went to like Texas A&M, right? And I have this really, really funny story of uh, um, while I was actually doing that lab manager role. I, uh, I, I had never actually gone to the school at that mm. point. Right. So, uh, they gave me my acceptance in February of like 2015 and I'm supposed to visit the school sometime in June. Um, and I, you know, <clears throat> I'm trying to arrange the, the, the meeting. Right. And so what happens is I, uh, I email them, I ask them, Hey, when are we going to do this? I was in contact with this person who was working there at the time. And what happened was, I guess, between the time in which I was supposed to do that, you know, sort of walkthrough meeting and when I actually, uh, you know, between that time of when I was supposed to do the walkthrough meeting and when I got the acceptance, I guess like she had moved on to another position and the logistics of that particular department hadn't caught up with it. So I didn't receive anything back about going. And I just assumed that perhaps maybe the offer was rescinded or something. So I didn't hear from anybody, called the office, tried to talk to somebody. But unfortunately, every time you try to call an office of a university department, sometimes there's kids or students working there, right? So mm. uh, the student, you know, the students would kind of say, hey, I'll let you, I'll let the uh, you know, academic advisor know that you called. Um, I don't really know who talks, who, you know, who obviously handles that, but I'll try and figure it out for you. Never heard anything, right? And then eventually... Uh, July rolls around the start date of the schools in August, by the way. <laughs> and so a month before I get this, 
I, I get a phone call from them and and they're like, hey, uh, you know, just wanted to you know call. Is this Mike? And I was like, yeah. Hey, how's it going? Who's this? And they're like, oh, hey, this is, you know, the material science engineering department, Texas A&M. Just wanted to let you know that, um, you know, I just wanted to ask, are you still interested in, you know, coming out to our program? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm definitely interested. I've been calling you guys for like two months. What's been going on? <laughs> And, and they're like, oh, we're really sorry. You know, we, you know, basically the person who you were working with ended up like leaving the department. And now, you know, we're uh, now we're kind of like, you know, sort of realigning and getting everybody in. And of course I'm like, okay, great. Uh, and they're like, well, do you want to like visit, you know? And I was like, well, no, I mean, school starts in a month. I don't really think I can visit. Let's just, mm -hmm. let's just see what happens. So, you know, I, I gave basically rolled the dice on whether like I would actually like this place or not. Um, I had a few off offers other places, but I was like, well, Texas A&M is, you know, a good school, uh, a, you know, a good name, you know, name brand, basically, you know, I'll, I was sure that I would be able to get a high quality education. And funny enough, so <clears throat> the day I'm supposed to leave, right, I, I hop on the plane, have my car transported. Uh, and I live in I live was living in the at the time in the Bay Area, right? And I'd never really lived outside of uh, outside of the West Coast. So um, when the plane is flying over the mountains and into Texas, I remember thinking to myself, you know, it's probably a bad idea that I'd never check this place out. I wonder what's going to happen. And of course, as the, the plane starts like going into, uh, you know, the airport that's actually in you know, College Station where Texas A&M is at, I remember like peering over the side of like the plane and thinking to myself, oh, there's like no, there, there's, there's steadily and steadily less city that I see. Oh, there's, there's just a lot of green. There's, there's, oh, the, the plane is starting to descend. Uh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and so there was kind of a moment where in the back of my mind, I was like, I might've just dedicated myself to the next like two years and really just, you know, might've made a mistake here. Mm. Um, and I remember that first day, got off the plane, <laughs> never, never dealt with humidity for folks who are listening at home. So like uh, humidity was just like this crazy thing that when I got off the plane, it's like 101 degrees. It's, it's incredibly humid. And I, I was just sort of like, this is just kind of like all bad. Right. But, um, you know, lo and behold, my experience was fantastic. Uh, you know, when I was able to go into the department, meet all these folks, it was a very supportive community, you know, was able to, uh, really accomplish a lot of great things. And funny enough, after those two years I did in my master's degree, I ended up staying four more years for the PhD. So, you know, it was a well worth investment of my time. <laughs> Sounds like it was a, an interesting part of the journey and uh, definitely worthwhile. So now, so you went, you got the degree, you know, you got the the master, the graduate uh, degrees, you got the PhD, you're mm -hmm. coming out. If I remember when we talked to, or before, that was almost kind of as you're coming out of the school or, or, or finishing that up is about the time that COVID hit, started shutting things down. So you figured, why not start a business during this time? Is that about right? Or how did that go? Yeah, sure. So um, funny enough, I was actually still at the school when I even started coming up with new ideas. Because uh, for anybody who's um, anybody who's kind of gotten, you know, sort of gone through the doctorate, you know, journey, uh, if you if you do the master's degree and the doctorate together, um, in one place, you usually actually take care of all the the required coursework by the time you read your by the time you end your first or year and a half of PhD, right? So I had already done all of my required coursework, and that was taking up a considerable amount of time. I'd probably say like trying to finish all of that was like three 
<clears throat> I would say like three, you know, three classes was about uh, 30 hours in a week to always prepare for those things. Um, so once I had that time back for me, that was kind of when I realized, uh, you know, a little bit during that time, I had just said, well, you know, I've, I have the, the resources here and I have, you know, the availability to work on these weekends. Why not just start playing around with a few ideas? And so, um, you know, kind of over the course of, I want to say 2017 to 2019 was like this age of experimentation. So like two years of me, you know, basically throwing some hypotheses against the wall doing lots of user interviews, testing out whether something was going to work or not. And, uh, you know, I had some thoughts about, well, this is actually something that I see as a problem. Let me see if it really is enough of a problem for me to actually want to pursue it. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the answers to that question was no <laughs> in the early stages, but that's okay. Um, and, but eventually we got, I got to a point where in the summer of 2019, um, myself and, uh, one other person that I was working with at the time, who's currently still working with us, we thought that there was this idea that we could really kind of create uh, a more personalized experience through, um, some of the, you know, learning materials that we were sharing in the classes. Cause there was always just kind of this inkling of, I'm hopping on tons of Zoom meetings. This is even before COVID. <laughs> so I'm hopping on tons of Zoom meetings. I'm, you know, doing my very best to, you know, help these students, but I'm getting a lot of requests about a lot of the same thing, but we don't have any replicable way for me to share my information. And even when I do like, let's say record like a video for everybody, it gets lost. Then I have to do it again next year or it gets lost in some kind of repository. You know, nobody can really find it and it's not helpful year to year. And when I leave, it's basically going to have to be done again. So mm -hmm. I was thinking about how do we make this a lot more efficient of the process? And uh, that was kind of like the first sort of foray into what would eventually become the, you know, kind of seedling of what our current company is. Mm -hmm. But uh, at the time, I had no idea, right? So the funny stories of user testing, we built, we initially thought, oh, we're going to make it voice activated because like, you know, we got an Amazon Alexa and it felt like a good idea. So when we were trying to do user testing, we're literally sitting there or I, I was, you know, doing them across Zooms, similar to how we're doing it right now. But I would literally grab my Alexa, tell someone to actually go and uh, use it through the video screen and like basically have them yell through the screen and say, oh, yeah, this is totally how the experience is similarly going to work. It was it cool. Like, it was this useful to you? Mm -hmm. And so um, hilariously enough, uh, at the time, I thought that that was enough data for me to actually say, this is going to be uh, an opportunity. <laughs> so um, I made a few different, you know, kind of versions of it. And then we, you know, kind of rolled out our initial uh, kind of low fidelity version that I was going to start testing with folks using like a web interface. And I was so excited. It's like February 24th, 2020. We incorporated the company even while I was still at school. Um, but, uh, hilariously enough, uh, of course, nobody had any idea that we would have COVID happen. So of course I was sitting there stoked. This is going to be great. We're going to get so much data. This is, you know, awesome. I'm going to have the students use it. I can see everything that's going to happen. But, uh, inevitably uh, what, what happened was everybody started to, you know, of course have to work from home, you know, because of the, uh, you know, all of the sort of, you know, policies that were put in place. So, uh, of course, 
I at first, you know, kind of was like, damn, how are we actually going to get this in the hands of more people? And then I realized, duh, it's the internet. I can actually go and share this with anybody I want to. And it was the, the crazy thing was because uh, it was a way more efficient way to actually share information. Uh, a lot of the students were just incredibly grateful because they were making, you know, tons of uh, video recordings in class itself. And, you know, they were uh, sharing them around and nobody was watching them that when they ran it through our system, once we did that, students were actually engaging with it to an incredible degree. And we were getting tons of positive feedback from the students and the professors were happy because, you know, the students weren't emailing them as much about questions they had. They could literally just find everything laid out for them. And so really the the office hours or the individual meetings that people were asking for were therefore more productive, even during a time with COVID. So that uh, that sort of, you know, initial insight and the positive response we got and just how much usage, um, you know, the, the, pro, uh, the, the initial like MVP had just gave us that confidence to say like, this is actually, you know, something that we can kind of run with. And we felt like we had caught like lightning in a bottle almost on accident. But I realized now it was kind of all those steps that we took that really helped set the foundation for what could be uh, in now where we're at in the future. Hmm. No, it uh, sounds like it was a, a fun, a fun path, a good journey. And uh, it was kind of, it's always interesting as you kind of going through that, where the product initially starts out versus where it ends up is rarely the same place. And so, so now as we've kind of now uh, caught up to the present day and seems like the journey's already flown by, but we're already wrapping towards the end of the, the episode. Um, so to, to shift to, or to, or as we shift towards the end of the episode, I always like to wrap up with the, the same two questions. So we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what'd you learn from it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually one of my favorite questions. Cause I feel like, uh, sometimes I kind of like to audit myself on a regular basis, right? Like, and I feel like it's good to kind of look at decisions I made, you know, uh, a day ago, a week, month ago. Right. But I always look at, um, the particular decision of hiring incorrectly. Right. And I would say that that Anytime where you bring in, um, you know, you don't really kind of do your due diligence on like, you know, trying to figure out if somebody's going to be a right fit. Uh, you know, you spend the time training them, bringing them in and then, you know, sort of working with them. Um, that's there's there's all like multiple things that kind of can go wrong in terms of that. And so for myself, uh, hiring somebody um, early, it was really, really early days. Right. And it was one of the worst decisions I made for a number of reasons. Um, but we brought in uh, this person who we thought was going to be uh, a, a, like a lead engineer for what we were doing. Right. We were you know, basically uh, four folks at the time. Uh, one of us was really technical, but she was still transitioning from her job into whether this would actually be a good enough opportunity to like jump in on. So, of course, uh, because of that, we really were limited on what we could even build and what we could actually even accomplish at the time. So I thought to myself, well, why don't we just bring in kind of like, a, you know, sort of a technical partner? They can be part of our team, you know, and we, you know, can, we can kind of leverage their ideas and their instincts about how we can build the product forward. It's just another voice to be able to help us really grow this thing. And uh, at the time I was utilizing something called uh, Lunch Club 
And uh, this wasn't through Lunch Club that I met this person, but through a friend of mine who I introduced the platform to, she recommended I meet this guy because, um, you know, she felt like he might be a good fit in terms of our development. And I kind of thought to myself, OK, well, cool. This is a recommendation from somebody I know. Um, I'm, I'm sure that she's, you know, kind of vetted him in some way. You know, she said it was a little quirky, but I like quirky people. I feel like there's, you know, that's a, you know, better to work with people who, you know, are unique in that way. So I was excited just on that premise to meet her or meet him alone. Um, so moving into the whole vetting process, I had a few conversations with him, you know, just kind of, you know, sort of see is there, you know, at least like a personality fit? Can we have like a normal conversation? Is there something that we can do uh, in terms of just like kind of, you know, feeling like we can connect with each other and really, you know, sort of move this thing forward? Because, you know, with anybody you bring in early stage or anybody you kind of, uh, you're kind of like, you know, really trying to sort of build this culture together. It's those early people are so important because they have to believe in not only the, the idea, but the idea that you can all achieve something together. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I, you know, when I brought him in, I, this is the, you know, naivete of like somebody who obviously didn't really have the chops to know what works and what doesn't. So I bring him in, you know, and the first, he, he sounds good. He talks, you know, a good game, um, you know, says he's going to get certain things accomplished. And what's funny is our other technical person who was kind of transitioning out of her role that she was working with was consistently telling me, I don't think this guy's legit. <laughs> and of course, you know, me being somebody who wants to sort of believe people at face value, um, you know, of course, was like, why don't we just give him a shot? Let, let's give him, a, you know, let's, let's give him a chance. Right. And so, you know, as a, an initial pilot project, it was something so simple. And I was, this is probably one of the stupidest parts of this, you know, whole event was I had offered him a 1% stake as part of, you know, it was initially going to be like a 10% stake of equity to like, you know, say, Hey, you know, you're going to be this partner. And then over time it can, you know, ladder up and, you know, one year cliff, all of that. Right. So um, <clears throat> basically I was like, hey, if you just accomplish this one thing, we'll give you 1% equity. And it was like the 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 smallest, littlest thing to do, like really in the in the in the uh, the case of coding. And um that I mean, that probably is the dumbest part of this dumbest decision I ever made. But <laughs> hilariously enough, he didn't even do that. <laughs> like he over the course of six weeks didn't do anything. Um, and you know, we kept on trying to work with him. Uh, I got a lot of excuses about, Hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm busy doing this. I'll come up with this version, you know, shortly. And then, you know, there was this really crazy, like excuse I got where, you know, we didn't hear from him for a week when we were supposed to have a, a deliverable, we were going to roll out during a, a, a large, not a large scale event, but like our first like public event to like try and see how people would react to what we were using didn't hear from him for a week and then like mm. the, the week after that uh event happened which was on a saturday the monday after that um he he messages me back and says hey like i actually got into like a car accident blah 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 and like even though you know i wanted to believe him they just didn't it just didn't feel like it was true 
Mm. And so, you know, I didn't hear from him again for another two weeks after that. Right. And um, eventually I was like, hey, you know, you said that you would get these done, even though you said, you know, you were, uh, you know, he had he said he'd obviously been injured, but he was like, hey, I'm going to get all this stuff done. You know, I'm you know, I, I promise I'll get it done. It'll be to you at this time. And so I just wanted to like I wanted to believe. Right. And I wanted to, you know, believe that he would even get that one percent bar done. But after, you know, six weeks, I was kind of like, you keep telling me all of these things, but you're not doing them. Um, and even just any progress being made, there just didn't sound like there was any progress. It was always kind of excuses, even from day one. And at the end of it, I was like, hey, um, I think it's just best to just obviously like, you know, kind of part ways here. Um, I think that we need to move on with uh, other people, you know, because uh, and it, and of course it came at yeah. the, uh, you know, came at the end of, you know, uh, a, a little like sort of mini confrontation basically about it. So hilariously enough, my bad decision, the dumbest decision I ever made actually didn't bite me uh, for, uh, you know, didn't actually bite me in the ass. Right. But it uh, it's just funny to see that, like, you know, what can possibly happen and I would just recommend that if anybody were to, of course, you know, go and down that. No, path. I'm going to jump in just because now you're giving your or what maybe your one recommendation, which is my second oh, question. So sorry. we'll hold that to the or hold that for just a second. But I think that I do like, you know, I think that when you get into a lot of times, you're a bit naive in the sense that you think everybody's going to work as hard as you are. Everybody's okay. going to do as a good job. They're all motivated. They all want it to be successful. And a lot of people do. A lot of people work hard, but not everybody's that way. And until you go through it, a lot of times you don't realize that there is a bit of a, a sifting process. So I think that's a easy mistake to make, but a great one to learn from. So now I'm going to jump to that second question where it just seemed like that's where you were headed. But if you're to uh, maybe give that, you know, talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, time and time again, uh, I mean, you can always talk about, you know, sort of technical. You can always talk about like, you know, sort of other aspects like, hey, you need to figure out how you can scalably do something or you need to figure out like what's the return on value or, or things like that. You know, I believe all those things are to be true. Um, but I do believe that it's one of the most important things to have people that you truly can actually, co you know, really work together and cooperate with in a way that uh, actually can be better than the sum of your parts. Right. Mm -hmm. I know that's a cliched phrase, but really people, the folks that you work with are some of the most important considerations that you make. Um, I've seen so many times where, you know, founders, it, it's crazy too. like founders that I know who they founded the company together and, you know, they had disagreements about, you know, sort of how the the equity would be broken up because they didn't have an agreement when they started. Yeah, <laughs> Right. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of those things. And I think that, you know, be able to identify those early on and figure them out is definitely a great piece of advice or a great takeaway. So now as we are uh, wrapping towards the end of the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Sure, absolutely. So um, the company that I started is called FreeFuse. Uh, you can find me at FreeFuse, which is F-R-E-E-F-U-S-E.com. And uh, of course, uh, for myself, you can find me at, find me at Mike at freefuse.com. Uh, also finding the uh, the URL and owning the domain for that is actually a hilarious story in and of itself. But 
Um, you know, if you would like to reach out to me, feel free. Um, you can also finally find me on LinkedIn at, uh, you know, Mike Lou, CEO of free fuse. Um, I have this really funny picture of myself that I took where, uh, you know, I thought it would look really, really good, but it was really windy that day. And so I have this little like hair thing right in front of my face. So if you ever need to find me, feel free to find that picture or feel free to email me. Happy to have a conversation with you and look forward to, uh, connecting with anybody who would like. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out to you, connect you, or connect with you. If nothing else, make a, a new best friend. So with that, thank you again, Mike, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you the listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, I'd love to have you. Just go to inventiveguest.com. Glad to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners. Make sure to click share, subscribe, and leave us a review so we can make sure to help all those that are startups and small businesses out there along their journey to success. Last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else with your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Mike, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Awesome. Thanks, Devin. Appreciate the time.